0: Hello everybody, thank you very much for coming today. Uh, today you're going to see and hear from the guys who made a great film called Dogged, which is out on July the 9th. Yep, got that right. <laughs> um, and before that, you'll just watch a quick clip to see what it's about, and then we'll talk to the guys. And that was a small clip of Doggyz. My name is Jed Shepherd, by the way, um, and this is my co-host Emma. We have to share a mic because there's not enough. Hi, guys. And can I introduce to the stage um, the cast and, I guess, the director and the writer? Uh, Start with Richard Roundtree, please. Oh, there's Richard there. (laughs) And there's Toby Wynn Davies. um, And um, you've got Sam Saunders, who is the lead actor. (laughs) Um, and while we're going along, if you guys can think of any questions, because uh, there are prizes at the end, and they're good prizes. Um, so any questions you have in mind, keep to the end, and you might win. There's enough of you here to probably win something. So, um, <laughs> Hi, guys. Just, uh, grab your mics. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, so, Dogged, So I guess we have to start with um, Richard, um, who is the writer and the director. Boring questions out of the way first. What made you come up with uh, this particular film? How did you write it, and... What was um, the idea behind it?
1: We made it as a, a micro short film, uh, like four minutes long, um, 18 months or something before we did the feature, uh, and we entered it into a BBC3 competition, which was um, uh, like a talent show called The Fear, uh, okay. and, and it rated really highly on that, and um, people people kept asking us, you know, are you going to make a feature out of it, and it was very tempting, and Thankfully, Sam said yes, so we got <laughs> absolutely,
0: to... yeah, and so you made it as a, as a short first as a kind of proof of concept. Um, do you find that 's the best way to kind of get something out there, get people interested, or do you think you should go straight in if you can and have the means go straight into doing a feature I, I think it
1: depends entirely on um, what kind of film you 're trying to do obviously with with a folk horror it 's quite difficult to get backing for it because it 's not you know kind of a slasher movie that you know has a, a big demographic for audience. Um, so to, to be able to show in a short film that we were trying to do something a little bit different certainly helped us, and, and particularly because we crowdfunded the film, it, yeah. it, it helped a lot with that.
0: So let's talk talk about that process of, because um, if you guys, guys out there are interested in making a film of your own, this guy is probably a very good person to kind of follow and to ask questions about because he has made this film for a very low budget and it's made a, a, a great, great film. So tell us about how you got the money together. What made you go the Kickstarter route rather than getting financing from your rich mum's mate? Or
1: <laughs> I, I haven't got any rich mates of my mum. So um, uh, no, um, Kickstarter, we, we've done a couple of short films on Kickstarter uh, and raised small amounts of money. And um, well, I think we just kind of decided, you know, it was a, it was a now or never kind of thing, you know, with our age, you know, we're not kind of in our early twenties and, and yeah. able to to kind of drum up that sort of support. So, yeah, we relied on friends and family largely to to support the Kickstarter, and, yeah. and because of the short film it drew, you know, we, we ended up getting pledges from all over the world from people that we didn't know because there's actually a huge folk horror community out there, and, yeah. and it's remarkable, it's it's everywhere, and. Um, I, I think the subgenre really appeals to a lot of people. So I love it. I
0: mean, obviously, there's wicker man elements. Um, there's some some newer films um, like Your Next, which the masks come into play. These masks are brilliant, by the way. I don't know why they're hidden over there, but we'll get them out and play with a bit in in a little while. Um, so the whole Kickstarter process, the the challenges you have there are that it might not come to pass. So I, I go on Kickstarter all the time, and the films I see on there mostly fail, I would say, especially in the in the horror genre, because there are so many films that people kind of want to make and And if you're into horror, you have in mind that you'll probably make make or write a good film. I know I'm I'm like that. Um, So were you worried at any point that this film wouldn't kind of come to fruition? Or based on the short, did you think it would have enough steam to...
1: No, I I think I didn't really believe it until maybe two or three minutes before the end of the Kickstarter (laughs) campaign. Uh, And the same, we've just run another one for our next film, and it was the same. It was, although we hit the target a little bit quicker, it's... um, You've, you've, you've just got to plug away at it
0: constantly and, yeah. and really bore people with it until they give you money. So um, how did these guys get involved? Did you have them in the short Because I haven't seen the short version. Sam was in the short. I won't
1: wear shorts, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> Sam was in the short and he'd been in a couple
1: of our other shorts as well beforehand.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No. So my my training at drama school was was very kind of theatrical. And when I graduated, that was really all I, I did and, and focused on. And, and it was Rich, actually, who gave me my first sort of screen credits. We did lots and lots of short films together. Um, I became a bit of an Ash Mountain staple for a while. And, uh, yeah, we did, we did Dogged, as you said, and,
0: um, yeah, jumped at the chance of making that feature. So, yeah. yeah. So wh- why Sam in particular? Why did you, just because the character's name was Sam or...? Is that how uh, the, it works. Made it easy. The,
1: the, the, <laughs> the part was written for Sam. I mean, he, you know, he was, uh, he was, here we Still, is you know, very inspirational for me. And I know what um, what he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, uh, and and so yeah, the part was, was written for him because of the success we'd had with the short. Yeah. And um, so yeah, the, that was a, a big loyalty thing for Sam. And he, you know, he he really pulled it off as well. So.
0: And and, um, again, Toby, how did you get involved in this process? So uh, Richard did a a,
1: a
3: casting call on one of the many portals that actors use to, uh, to get work. Yeah. And uh, I loved the breakdown, and I loved the character description that he
0: did for Father Father David Jones. And i want to say you are scary as hell in this. No, if, if you guys, when you guys watch this, he's terrifying. I thought I'd meet you today and be worried, but you no. seem like I'm a really a, nice I'm, guy. I'm, like,
3: I'm a tame tame lion.
0: That shirt's kind of offsetting my fear.
3: So, <laughs> so, but I loved. I mean, you know, villains are fantastic to play, and I didn't know at the time of reading the breakdown of the character that he was going to be an out-and-out villain. And, you know, Richard just said, and there's a twist and he changes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, I made my submission and I, I was really keen to hear. Richard got in touch and he said, look, here's the script. Um, please have a read and, and tell me what you think. The moment I read it, and, you know, this is for all of the filmmakers, uh, you start a project with a great screenplay. And if you have that, you have done more than half of the job to getting yeah. your film made the rest is just the technical nuts and bolts of doing it, which, of course, Ash Mountain are brilliant at as well, because that's all about programming and planning and making everything run smoothly. And they've, they've achieved that incredibly well. And that's why the film, I think, is the success it is. But going back to my reading the script, and I just went, do you know what? I really want to do that. And Richard sent across a piece of uh, text that he wanted me to do some filming, do, do a self-tape op. And I got it on the morning that I was literally packing up to fly out of the country, and I said, jeez, I just can't do this for you. A month or so before, I had done uh, a short film, uh, not the same sort of character, but I thought that the character I played in that had similarities to what Richard was looking for, and I just said, look, I really hope you don't mind this. I bound him across a copy of a couple of scenes. I think that this... Shows some of the things, and and I went away, and three or four days later, I got a fantastic text saying, "Yes, we agree. <laughs> you are the person we want."
4: Nice. Um, I had a quick question for you, actually. How long did it take you to uh, get enough money to make it? Because obviously, it was on that website.
1: Yeah. So um, the Kickstarter campaign was uh, sixty days. Um, and uh, I think we were doing really badly until about four or five days from the end, and then we had a one big injection, and then that kind of wow was a, a waterfall that that ended up taking us just over.
0: Um, if this didn't, if the Kickstarter didn't actually work, what would you have done? Try and would you have given up, or just try and find funding elsewhere? Or I,
1: I think for this is you know it, it would have been difficult for us to try and self finance it in that it was. Probably, you know, stupidly naive for, for a first-time feature filmmaker. There's kind of 22 principal cast, and we were at locations in Essex and Sussex and Oxford and Berkshire and Bucks, and yeah. we were kind of all over the place. And, and yeah, I think I think the, it, it was quite daunting, you know, the, the planning side of things. So I think if we'd have had to have tried to put the money up ourselves as well, yeah. it would have been... Probably one step too far.
0: I do have a question about the locations. I mean, it's beautiful, like the kind of scenery, the the forests. But that house, that main house that you live in, Sam, where is that? Can I live there? It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Whose house is that? It's wonderful. Um, so, c- so can we say? Can we say the
2: name? So it's it's, uh, it's this incredible house. I think it's called Potash Barns. Um, and actually, I think it was it was a connection to someone in the cast. I think who had family it's who crew. lived in Crew. Chris. yeah, in wow. Crew. Okay. Crew. I
0: Beg your pardon. Um,
2: but yeah, yeah. So it was it was just incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I, was, I just couldn't believe that you guys lived in there, in, in the story. I was like, <laughs> I was trying to work out, okay, what's her job? What's his job? I know. How can they
2: afford this place? When I read the script, I didn't imagine Sam would be, you know, live in such sort of luxury, but actually <laughs> it added something to it. I thought, okay, this guy's... He's had everything all his life and... Uh, it, it,
3: it was actually yeah. something that uh, really pissed Father David off. <laughs> because he was uh, <laughs> really annoyed that Sam lived in a nicer house than he did. Mm. I
4: guess, like, as well, it adds to the whole thing, like, well, why doesn't he want to come back here? It's yeah, amazing. absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's, there's more going on than, than it seems, yeah. And I want to make a brief detour away from Dogger just for a second. Just talk about some of the, the big films that you've worked on besides this. So you have a, a second kind of life working on, on massive movies, um, and we can say a few of them, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Now, tell everyone what you did on Star Wars. Uh,
1: so my painting job is um, I'm a greensman, so I uh, design... Uh, Sets that have got anything with natural scenery in them. So uh, for Star Wars, it was a desert set, and um, Jakku specifically.
0: He Uh, made Jakku. He made a planet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, yeah, so forests, jungles. So uh, we were talking. We did a monster calls, and we had to build. Although the 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 tree, the Liam Neeson character was. um, CGI'd for all the movement. We had to build a 10 or 12 foot tall uh, base of it for the, the, the boy, the yeah. actor in it, to interact with. So uh, it had to have real casts off real trees for bark detail. And, and, and it was great because we actually worked with Eugenio Caballero, who's Guillermo del Toro's
0: wow. action designer. Okay.
1: And um, it, was, it was a great experience, but it was also awful because we were six or seven weeks up in North Yorkshire in the middle of a graveyard and it rained. <laughs> non-stop every day, and we were, it, it was six-day weeks, so it was kind of too far away to come home most of the time, and we were staying in a really luxurious Premier Inn. <laughs> the restaurant attached Sounds like to an it was, on a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> the restaurant next door to it was awful, and the only good dish that they served was chicken and ribs, and so I ended up eating chicken and ribs every night for, for like six weeks. Did you get to meet Liam Neeson while you were making this big tree
0: that talks to him?
1: No, he wasn't there at all, actually. Oh. We, got, we, we did um, have Sigourney Weaver on set. She plays the grandmother. Nice. Um, and the boy was there, obviously, a lot for the interaction. But they they had pre-recorded Liam Neeson's voice, and they would just play it over right, these huge speakers for the kid
0: to react to, yeah. which was kind of weird in the middle of a. Uh, uh, North Yorkshire Moors. Yeah, and just to quickly, some other things you have worked on. Also, you've worked on Black Mirror, which I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have seen. Maybe not the little kids, but um, Black Mirror is probably the greatest TV show of the last five, ten years. It's yeah. amazing. And what did you, what did you do on Black Mirror? So
1: we're doing the fifth series at the moment, and we're doing an episode that's all set in, um, I think, 1984. Spoilers. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so, so it's quite a challenge. Yeah, this is really boring for me. No, no, people. I'm interested. But I love that show. In terms show. of plants, you have to look <laughs> back at you know what sort of plants people had in their houses in 1984 as to as opposed to what they have now.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's kind of yeah. You can look at IKEA for for reference for these days, but
4: out of curiosity, what plants did they have in 1984? Also,
1: rubber plants, from what I can find. <laughs> um,
4: uh,
1: yeah and asperdistras, cheese plants as well. Yeah, cheese, cheese plants, plants are a solid 70s and 80s. <laughs> That's
0: great. Um, and the other one, uh, just finally, is you worked on the, the Channel 4 series, um, Electric Dreams. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Electric Dreams was brilliant. It was the first time I'd ever been on a, a really large-scale kind of science fiction set. And yeah. um, uh, the, the one particular episode, they built uh, a pod uh, around a central garden where all the oxygen was supposed to come from. And, and, but they wanted plants without any roots. Yeah, And they were shooting in there for six weeks, so we had to research and find all these air plants.
0: Air plants, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, they grow on <laughs> other plants. <laughs> that's great. Um, what, what's the difference between working on something with such a massive budget and then working on Dogged, where you've scrimped and, and saved and begged for, for, for the money and you've finally done it? Is it more satisfying working on this, knowing that you've worked hard to, to, to make it happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's a, it's a lot more personal, I think, you know, obviously with, with a movie like Dogged, we, you know, we can put lots and lots of, you know, everybody in the cast and crew can, can put in their own creative stamp on whatever yeah. part they're doing. Whereas a lot of our crew particularly, you know, they, they come from working in film and TV, but they, they, they're not heads of departments. So they're kind of a cog in a machine rather than being yeah. the machine. Um, uh, and I think everybody found that quite satisfying being able to, to do things the way that they wanted to do them and, and mm-hmm. try out new things as well.
0: Um, and can you tell us a little bit about your influences behind this film? While Emma, can you grab the masks maybe and and give them to them just so it looks nice on stage? <laughs> um, what are some of your influences in, in terms of making this? So you said folk horror and I immediately jumped to Wicker Man, of course. Um,
1: yeah, the, the Wicker Man and um, also Ben wow. Wheatley. Uh, he's, he's done some movies recently that have been kind of quite folk horror-esque uh, field in England and... Um, the other one whose name I can't remember uh, but yeah I, I think the throwback to that kind of 60s and 70s type horror, Blood on Satan's Claw and movies like that yeah.
0: so some of the Hammer kind of films that... yeah
1: I mean there, there's also kind of several easter eggs littered throughout this which, which kind of refer back to, to my favourite horror films as well, yeah. there's, there's a few references to things like The Shining and
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. like that in there, so. I mean um the whole the whole film is is you can see like it's like a love letter to some of those uh, folk horror films is there any one film in particular that you kind of was the overarching kind of uh, inspiration for it would you say it would be the wicker man just because it, almost the pacing's quite similar
1: where it is yeah i yeah. mean I, I did watch it as a reference piece but um when matt davies and i were writing it i i think although we were we were kind of acutely aware that that's the the, the kind of the Reference picture for for folk horror, we you know we tried to steer a little bit away from it. There are obvious similarities in there, but um, we, we uh, probably the TV show The League of Gentlemen is, oh, wow, is more yeah, yeah. of a uh, there's a little bit of Royce so and Vasey about this yeah, town
0: yeah there's probably more
1: of an influence than uh, than any kind of one folk horror film
0: yeah um, if only I'd known
1: <laughs> it taped up the nose
0: and so tell us a little bit about approaching this as actors um, how did you get into the your kind of parts playing well, essentially, you an evil person, um, and you, the kind of innocent kind of guy who stumbles across this crazy situation. No, no spoilers here, but... No, I mean, uh, to be honest, that's it's quite close to me in real life, really,
2: right, just okay. sort of quite naive, stumbling along. And um, what's great about doing a horror film, actually, is, is, especially as a protagonist, especially as someone who the audience are following, is it's a lot of kind of reacting to things. and. Yeah. Um, just unearthing all these these horrible, horrifying things. Um, there's a there's a really lovely sequence in um, when I'm sort of stalking through my grandma's
0: house, which yeah. is something actually that came out of the the short film. That's actually my favourite bit of the film because oh, there's yeah. some real tension. Like me and Emma were watching it, and we was like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, this is this is getting a little bit tense now." Absolutely, and and that's so fun to play as an actor as well. Actually. Um,
2: Yeah, just really building that tension, even in just kind of an arm movement.
3: Uh, Yeah, great fun, great fun. Um, Well, very much like Sam, it's very close to me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Look, as I said earlier, uh, playing villains is is great fun. The most important thing to remember is that the villain doesn't think they're a villain, and they just think that they're absolutely right. And uh, Father David is you know, on a mission, uh, he is completely convinced of his, of his direction and how he will achieve it and nothing will get in the way. And righteous, committed and focused people are incredibly scary. And you just have to play that reality, that truth. You don't play evil. You don't play, uh, deranged. They are only deranged to the outside world who are looking in. And, um, yeah, that, that it's, it's great fun to play.
4: Um, I don't know if it's a spoiler. Is
2: it fine? Yeah, go.
4: On. Okay. Um you know you were just talking about that scene um in the house. Mm. It reminded me of Little Red Riding Hood. The, well, the, was that inspired by that in yeah, on so purpose? Yeah, so
1: the short film is is basically Little Red Riding Hood.
4: Oh. Um, mm. uh,
1: and, and that's why we, we there, there's a few scenes that we, we we reshot them but we kept kept them very similar to the short and and mm. that's one of them and that was one of the inspirations for the for the different animals. Yeah, I was a little red riding hoodie rather than a hood. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, that's good.
0: Um, so let's talk about these masks as, as they're so prominent on stage. Why, why the masks and why these particular masks? Because they're quite lovable masks. Maybe in that, not that context, behind it yeah. right now. When
1: it's dark and <laughs> yeah. they're covered in blood, not so much. Um, the, so the, the, the hierarchy of the, 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 the actors who, or the characters who wear the masks uh, kind of descends from Beatrix Potter, Ah. So fox and badger are these terribly evil... Sam
2: Sam didn't know that. I did not know (laughs) that. They're
1: they're these terribly uh, awful creatures that that eat the the babies of the other animals Mm -hmm. uh, in Beatrix Potter. And um, when we were deciding which ones to use, we actually uh, referred back to a a cartoon that we'd watched as kids called Animals of Farthing Wood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Decide which ones we were going to use. Because, you know, they kind of all live in harmony on Mm -hmm. this island, but something terrible always happens. And uh, so the island is actually called Farthing Island as well. in the Wow.
0: Movie. And you didn't, didn't twig, Sam? <laughs> well, not the
2: Beatrix Potter. Right, OK. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to put it on, actually. I, I don't think I've ever on, yeah. put one
1: on. They smell yeah. a bit funky now. <laughs> it's been a while since the shoot.
4: You can kind of see in Sam's eyes, he's a bit like, what?
1: <laughs> Literally like a
0: rabbit in the headlights, though, a fox in the headlights.
1: The, the rabbit one, actually, um, the guy who played rabbit, uh, Ashton, is really tall. He's like six eight or something, six ten, and um, he he wore the rabbit, so he's got an extra, you know, eighteen inches from the from the wow. ears. And there was a scene where he had to drive a car and then get out, and, and the ears just <laughs> kept popping up. And um, yeah, he was he was he. I mean, he's he's frightening enough anyway because of his size, but when he's got the rabbit mask on, yeah, it's really frightening.
0: So uh, regarding the practical side about making a film, because I'm sure there are people out there that are interested in making films or writing films, how do you go about actually making an independent, short, um, low-budget film? How, how, how do you do that, well, you, in your words? You, yeah,
1: you have to have cast and crew who are uh, 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 yeah, 100% committed to everything that you do and, and trust you, you know, all the where way Where do you
0: through. find these people, though? Where,
1: where do you go looking? Well, we're really lucky, you know, we... we <laughs> Find guys like these and 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 crew members and and the, it invariably they come th- yeah certainly with crew through somebody that you know um, yeah. so they're kind of a friend of a friend a lot of the time and a, a lot of them work in the industry already, but like I was saying they kind of want to take that next step and need to be able to prove to their the powers that be that they can do that and yeah. this is the only way they're going to get the chance to do that sort of thing so um we're we're really really lucky I think we we had. Was one miscommunication on one day of the shoot where one person didn't turn up?
0: That's pretty good going for. It a was amazing.
1: Call. Yeah, I was expecting it to be a lot worse.
3: But there was another day of miscommunication when someone turned up six hours early and had to wait for the rest oh. of the
1: people. To that was that was that was forgetting to send a text. We
4: still feel bad. Ah, oh,
2: it was you. But you know, I think I think also just want to say I think it's testament, to Rich, as well, actually, that all these people would be willing to you know, just to come up and give their best, actually. I think, I think that's, that's the, a key ingredient, saying,
1: really. Are you saying I bend their arms, or...?
2: No, 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 not... <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> Quite, Quite the opposite. I think that's so important in, um, in, in this industry. You can be the most talented person in the world at whatever you do, but if you can't get on with people, if you, you, know, if, if you don't have that about you, then you'll go nowhere, really. So I think,
3: yeah... A huge Rich, thing. Rich, are you happy to for me to say about the schedule over which this was filmed? Because I think that was unique to this production. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I've made lots of films and short films, which say have been a 21-day shoot, and they've been three weeks from start to finish, and everyone gets on board, and they either take that time away or they commit that time to making a film. Dogged was shot over three months of two days weekends you know, and it was still 21 days of shooting or 19 days, I can't remember, but this was shot over three months. So everyone made that commitment to three months worth of weekends, rocking up, Mm -hmm. looking the same, you know, being ready to to do a scene that you'd done the first half of six weeks before, you know, and that kind of thing takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of mental agility as an actor and as a a crew member to, to remember where you were when you left off and where you're picking up from. So that's the first time I've Shot in that way, um, and it worked incredibly well because of planning, because of everyone being really clear about what they were trying to achieve, and, and everyone making that commitment to three months worth of weekends away, you know, slogging in a, in a, a slough wood. <laughs> and slough is wonderful,
4: <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, you literally answered my question. I was going to say, How long did it take you to shoot it, and, and how did you do it, and stuff on a budget? So, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the question is, how did you do it under budget, or how? How? <laughs> uh,
1: it was, yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, we um, there was a lot of sandwiches for catering. Yeah. And um, the, the guys were all very good. They made their own sandwiches as good. well. So we just provided the bread and the fillings. And <laughs> what Rich can do with a baguette and some
3: <laughs> prawn cocktail trips and a, and a packet so of haribo Bar-
1: is amazing. <laughs> that's that's an extra on the DVD though. <laughs>
4: Um, I actually think it's really inspiring that you were able to do it because people put, like, walls in front of themselves, especially, like, new people who've never made a film before think, I haven't got the money, I, I haven't got the resources, but clearly you can, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, you know, in the the four years or something, and we've been doing short films before that as well, you know, we'd, we'd kind of been buying our own equipment and... and so we had a couple of cameras, we had some lenses, um, uh, we had a couple of really bad, cheap Chinese import lights, and then I, I think in the same way you're saying it's inspiring. You know, we had a, a couple of big companies who kind of looked at us. We'd approached them and said, "Can you, do, you know, lend us some stuff?" And kind of looked at us and thought, "These guys are mad." So we'll help them out anyway. And 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 we ended up with you know like a, a seven and a half ton truck full of you know, lights from a Toby light.
0: speak to them, because I reckon he would have got, got the cameras for free. For the next one, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely
3: going <laughs> to use that as
0: a tactic. Yeah. <laughs> Dressed as a priest, of course.
3: I want your lights. <laughs>
0: um, but you've got something else um, coming out as well. You, you just said that you've done another Kickstarter, you've got another film on the horizon. Just very briefly, what's the next film about?
1: Uh, so the next film is called Nefarious, um, and... Um it's a, a home invasion uh, thriller this nice. time. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's slightly different from, from a traditional home invasion movie in that it's, it's kind of told from the, the perspective of the people who are breaking into the house rather than the person whose house nice. has broken into. Nice. And um, they realise that once they've got into this house that uh, they've actually disturbed something that's far worse than they are. Nice. Uh,
0: uh, uh. <laughs> are you in this? Yeah, uh, I hope so. you are the the, the, <laughs> the thing inside the house, right? Might be. So, I might be. so were you inspired by Don't Breathe, which was kind of kind of a recent horror film with a similar concept, but probably a lot less British than. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny it.
1: because um, it, we'd actually finished writing Nefarious, and yeah. then uh, I showed it to a couple of people, and they were like, "Wow, you should see this movie, Don't Breathe." Yeah. And uh, and I checked it out, and I was I'm confident that it's different enough. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know that I'm not too worried, but I I really enjoyed it as a movie.
0: Don't breathe is awesome. Yeah. Um. And also, do you feel like horror at the moment is has a little bit of a renaissance? Because I feel like in the last two three years there've been some tentpole horror films that have come out. They've really elevated the genre, and all the subgenres linked to it into something viable as a viable product. Um, so for instance, It last year and um, It follows and other films that aren't called It. Um, there's lots out there. And in the Babadook, these films just kind of elevate above the normal kind of um, underneath the video counter type affair. Uh, do you feel like you're about to ride the wave of this new horror kind of renaissance? Because yeah, I, I do. I think that the, <laughs> uh,
1: the Guardian did an article recently that kind of was quite divisive amongst horror fans about... Um, what they deemed those kind of movies you're talking about they deemed them as post-horror
0: I don't like that Uh, um, term. no I
1: mean this is the thing and I think a lot of people kind of took offence to it because intelligent horror which is which is essentially what it is has always been there yeah it's just a case of you know people don't seek it out all the time you know people are quite happy to sit there and watch someone run around being chased by someone in a mask with a knife for an hour and a half whereas I think audiences are a bit more uh, they've they've Although you know, their viewing habits are a bit more homogenized because of what is available to them through Netflix and things yeah. like that. They are seeking out kind of stuff that's a little bit different now. And and I think the audience has has grown up a little bit. I mean Toby's actually an expert on horror. He's a good person to speak
0: to about this. Awesome, moral, yeah. <laughs> Um, because things like, like Get Out was a recent one, obviously it won an Oscar for Best Screenplay. Um, I guess the, the film that won Best Oscar for, for the film was a horror film as well. Um, I just feel now is the time for things like Dogged that kind of reach its intended audience, which is as many people as possible. Um, so we'll leave it there for a second and go out to audience questions. I know you've got some questions saved up, and don't forget there are prizes. There's DVDs and there's other things as well. And uh, the guy there in the Flash T-shirt is going to give it to you. So if you have any questions, please come to either of these mics. Yeah, you can, Eric. Does it work?
2: Um, I mean, making a film is one thing that's incredibly incredibly impressive, but also getting a film released, I guess, isn't, is another thing. There's no point making a film if no one can see it. So you've managed to get a distribution, so maybe it'd be interesting to hear about how you got that. Are you happy with it? That's British, and that, do you have it plans for it to come out elsewhere in the world. I have a second question as well, sorry. Yeah. Um, the, the, being a greensman is a really interesting job I've never heard of personally. Like, uh, is that a viable career? How did you get into it? Could my friends who are interested in gardening, <laughs> if that's not too lower a term for it, get into it too? Is it, is it a viable career for people?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the, um, in terms of the, the second question, uh, greenery, that you know, the, the, the majority of greensmen are people who are on set dressing. So, uh, you know, anybody who's got a natural eye and an enthusiasm for plants, yeah, can can do it as a job, for sure. And there's ample work out there doing it, for sure. I don't actually go out on set most of the time, I physically do it. I'm kind of doing the design a lot of the time, uh, which suits me because I get to sit at a desk and draw pictures quite a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what was the first question again? Oh, the distribution. Yeah, um, uh, we... we when we made the film, I think none of us really had any expectation of, of it achieving kind of what it has. Um, uh, so we sent it out to a lot of film festivals and we ended up, I think we've played, I think we got one on Monday and it's like our 16th film festival or something and we won six or seven awards and, and yeah, people have been really into it So so... Then we started getting contacted by distributors and sales agents, asking, you know, what's going on with this film? And, and so we sent them screening copies, and several of them were interested. And we picked a deal with Left Films that we thought was was going to give it the the film the best chance of getting out there um, on DVD rather than just VOD. And I don't I don't mean that sounds snobby, <laughs> uh, but you know the the, the bars of having your physical media on sale in a shop, yeah. Um, I think you know is something quite special for a movie of, of this scale.
0: Cool. Um, are there any other questions? Oh, there's lots, okay.
1: This, one. this is the one for the actors. Um, what horror films did you watch to prepare for this horrific, horrific film? <laughs> I mean horrific in a scary, terrifying way, of course.
2: <laughs> well, I feel like <clears throat> I need to make a confession in that actually I, I, I haven't watched a lot of horror films. I actually yeah. find them too frightening, which is probably um, good. It probably serves me well as a character, really. Yeah. Um, I think the, the Wicker Man was something that I had seen, though, and um, that was something that actually, um, yeah, was, was a big influence for Dogged. And just that, that just kind of eerie, um, culty, villagey feel. Yeah, I yeah. think
3: strong parallels there. Um, well, conversely, I've been watching horror films since I was, you know, this high, and uh, I've I've written about them, and and uh, I, and I'm you know absolutely fascinated by them uh, to this day. Uh, obviously, The Wicker Man is a, is a touchstone thing. Um, Hot Fuzz, obviously, uh, works as well. Um, Witchfinder General, you know, all of these these very English films. I, I grew up with Hammer horror, and uh, and I love that sense of isolated nuttiness that comes uh, and, and and there's another uh, strand which actually Rich and I we went to a talk uh, some months ago there was some fantastic play for today's on the BBC um things like Pender's Fen um brilliant uh, English writers like David Rudkin who wrote that and they have this quirky again isolated sense of uh, absolute horror in the in what people do um, in terms of my character, you know, I, as I said earlier, I don't consider it to be uh, a, a, an horrific character just because he believes absolutely in what he's doing. And of course, his actions are horrific to other people. But for me, I'm, I'm not being a monster. I'm just being Father David as brilliantly <laughs> as I can. You know, and, and hopefully the, the horror comes from that.
0: Great. It reminded me quite a lot of Captain Clegg, the Hammer film, when I watched it. Nice. Okay. And another, I think as a play for today, um, the stone tapes, was that an um, influence at all? Have you seen that? I don't think I have seen no, that. Okay. Mean, no. Check that out, guys. Um, any more questions? I think there was one from that little girl there. Do you have a question? Do you, do want, me to come, do you want to go to the mic? What's your question?
4: How much money did you have to raise? Oh, that's a good question. good
1: question. More than your pocket money. <laughs> yeah we we uh, by the time Kickstarter had taken their fees, I think we had um something like fourteen and a half thousand pounds for the total budget
0: That's really inspirational that you can make a feature film on that budget because some people have trouble making that for a with sh- a short they're like that's not enough money to make a short, but you totally can to make a feature film like that's that good um if, very impressive if you can get
1: uh, you know the sheer number of cast and crew that are as enthusiastic as our guys were yeah. And yeah, you absolutely can do it. And isn't it true that you were actually given the
3: Haribo's for free?
1: (laughs) I can't confirm that. No, I think we spent more money on Haribo than anything else pretty much throughout the shoot. um, I (laughs) was horrified. We used to to have a big box of Haribo every day and it would would get put out in the morning with the rest of the catering stuff. And by nine o'clock, it had been decimated.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter is good. Um, any more questions, guys? You will get a DVD, most likely. Okay, This guy heard the word free and... Oh they're he's all up like there. Yeah, I'm keen, I'm keen. <laughs> um, so how long did it take you to, to write Dogged to begin with, or I guess rewrite it until you were happy with it? And then, conversely, now you've done a second one, Nefarious, did that take any less time because you kind of knew what you were going to do, or not really?
1: Yeah, uh, when Matt and I write, we, we kind of write with our... Budget limitations in mind, um, which isn 't necessarily the best thing for, for the creativity, but it certainly you know it, it, it makes it possible it makes it possible to do I think with dogged we did nineteen drafts I think it was the nineteenth draft that we went with in the end, and I think there were five or six different endings uh, as part of that um, process and that took i think we spent about a year, something like a year doing it, and with nefarious. I it's something more like 13 drafts that we've had, and, and it's taken seven months. So,
0: yeah, it certainly has sped things up. Great. Um, any more questions, guys, for a free DVD? Oh, Emma's got one.
4: Do I get a free DVD? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually going to ask you, what did you shoot it on?
1: Uh, it was all shot in 4K on a Blackmagic camera.
4: Oh,
0: and was that a choice out of um, a specific choice, or did, was that the only equipment you could you could get? Or well, we we owned uh, we had a
1: Blackmagic two and a half K, and we were going to shoot it on that, and then we bought a four K just nice. kind of future proof the film a little yeah, bit yeah, as well. Yeah. And we I think we ended up shooting a little bit on the two and a half K as well. But it, it, <clears throat> for for me the, the the Blackmagic I won't get into the technicalities of it, yeah. simply because I don't know them, but. Chris, the DOP is over there if you want to ask a question later, but it, it just gives a, the Black Magic gives a really great uh, image and it's it's chunky enough that it, it feels solid. It's not quite sh- like shooting on a DSLR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah.
3: Slightly yeah. You, worried can, about. you can even drop them and they're all right, isn't that? That's true, isn't it,
0: Chris? <laughs> yeah, the lens is not so much, Chris. <laughs> um, any more questions, guys? Dave, do you have a question? You will get free stuff. <laughs> How
3: long did it take to. Compared to making it,
1: I, it was a 19-day shoot um, over yeah about three months, and um, we I think our last sh- last shooting day was I think the second weekend in November, and um, we had a we had a, the first rough cut done by about the second week in January, um, so it was fairly quick. But then we we, we spent another month refining it uh, from there, and then there was a sound mix and scoring, and that, that kind of took a lot of time because you're, it's studio time and you're relying on people who own the studios to slot you in where
0: they can. Yeah. Any other, oh, they're all coming now, thick and fast.
2: Um, so I've just got a quick question, um, which is inspired by your response to the previous question. But um, see, most great horror has great music that builds atmosphere and tension. Um, so I just wanted to ask if there was a story about how that was, how someone was chosen to compose the music. How, how did that work? How do you kind of get a great score for a horror film?
0: That, that's a really good question, because I think sound in horror is very, very important. So Yeah, it's
1: a good question as well in terms of publicity, because the soundtrack's actually being released um, for this as well, and it's kind of this nice. full orchestral um, score done by a guy called James Griffiths, who's incredibly talented and... Um, it was it was recorded by uh, musicians that he knows over in vienna nice um, uh, as well as himself and and we were really lucky uh, with that and it is a great score and and the sound uh, again is something a company called red light studios uh, did for us and that's uh one of my friend's older brothers who owns it up in soho so we were kind of really <laughs> lucky with that as well and i w- i wasn't you know massively au fait with the, the processes that go on in the, the, the sound edit. and I think there's something like 800 added sound effects in our film. Wow that we hadn't recorded on the day. and <clears throat> I was happy with it before they were in. And, and then when they layered those in as well, it, it kind of it ties everything together so nicely. But I think the score, yeah, particularly, is a really important thing, and, and James did a great job on it in a very, very short amount of time.
4: Um, yeah, just quickly, like that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about this film. I, I really thought the music was really good, actually. Yeah, that's it.
0: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Um, and before we, we have to finish, is there one last question, maybe? Okay, this guy.
1: Uh, given that the uh, dogged shoot ran really smoothly, is there anything in hindsight? that you, you would change or do differently, bringing it into Nefarious, the next shoot. And he's wearing a dogged t-shirt, I notice. That's cool, I want that. <laughs> that is one of our amazing crew members. Um, I, yeah, the, the, the division of labor uh, thing is a little bit different this time, so we've got somebody actually doing the catering for us, which is something that I think is gonna make things a whole great deal easier. Um, not having to worry about that. Uh, will there still be Haribo? There will still be <laughs> Haribo. Phew. Are you signed on now? Well, um. <laughs> um, yeah. We, I mean, because it's a home invasion movie. Obviously, this is a, a, a very different beast because this is sort of seventy percent in one house. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is within two rooms within the house. on costs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, well, it doesn't. It doesn't because we've because we, it's such a long period of time. Actually, building a set rather than doing it on a location. So, whereas before everything had been on location, yeah,
0: yeah, you know, yeah. it kind of
1: balances itself out a little bit. But, um, I, yeah, I, it's a smaller cast, uh, it's a smaller crew. It's you know, it's less locations. So, fingers crossed, it will be, you know, more intense and smoother as
0: well. Yeah, um, and so before we play the trailer, so you can see what this film is about in a very short space of time, um, guys. Where can people find you should they want to check you out after after this panel?
1: Uh, uh, on Twitter, there's Ash Mountain Films, um, and there's a page Dogged the Movie as well, and myself Richard Roundtree. And then on Facebook, there's all three of those things as well.
2: Uh, yeah, so I mean, at the moment, I'm um, I'm taking a bit of an acting sabbatical. And doing some teacher training, which is nice. Well, it's a form of performing, actually. <laughs> I have a captive audience every day, uh, but no, I've got a YouTube channel, um, on Twitter, and and yeah, a spotlight profile. So if anyone's
3: out there, feel uh, free Sam to look Saunders.
0: Me up. Sam Saunders. Sam yeah. Saunders is the name. Uh, Toby, where can they find you? Uh,
3: Well, obviously Facebook, and I have my Spotlight uh, profile. Um, Also IMDB, which is the actor's professional database that I'm also on. Um, I have another film coming out soon. That's um, Escape from Cannibal Farm, which was made just before I uh, shot with... Nice, Richard um, and I've just come back from Kiev in Ukraine and, and Turkey filming a science fiction called We Are Minds nice. uh, that hopefully will get some exposure in probably in October this year so they're all you know they've got a, a presence on my IMDB page so things are building up nicely
0: thanks and just before we go to the trailer you can find me Jed Shepard at Jed Shepard on Twitter um, I'd make films as well check my Twitter out uh,
4: <laughs> I'm Emma Louise Web 5 on Twitter if you want to follow me
0: Thanks very much, everyone. Thanks for coming. Don't forget, Dogged is out on the 9th of July on VOD and DVD. Uh, Please tell your friends about it and uh, watch it as much as possible and spread the word. Thanks very much for coming. Go to the trailer now, if you can. Thanks, everyone.
2: Islander. Yeah, born and raised. Is in your folks?
3: Funeral, actually. Mum said Megan fell from the cliffs. How sad that so young a person should lose her life in coming to the aid of a lowly animal. Stop staring.
2: You've been through enough already.
1: I still don't know what she was doing out there, Father. I signed the death certificate myself. A horrible business, barely recognizable sorry
4: no I am I'm sorry you left me here
3: this island is your family what more would you need
4: Nothing we can do. Police aren't interested in us. We're just transients. Oh no, darling. There's no need to get anyone else involved. We islanders can handle our own problems.
3: I don't want any part of this.